Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 309. The pre-med year, session number 309. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you for taking some time to be here with me today, tonight, whenever you are listening to this, wherever you are listening to this. And because of that, I don't know where you are. Take a picture, take a selfie, post it on social media and tag me in it, or just shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net, and show me where you are listening. We'll do a little fun experiment, see where you guys are. I want to talk about the medical school interview. It's something I talk a lot about. I've written a book on the medical school interview. If you didn't know that, you can go to premedplaybook.com and that will forward you to the Amazon pages where my premed playbook guide to the medical school interview is, premed playbook guide to the medical school personal statements, and also guide to the MCATs are all there on uh, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. cetera, um, premedplaybook.com. A while ago, I did an episode about uh, five common medical school interview questions that you will get, and I covered things like, why do you want to be a doctor, and tell me about yourself, and what's your greatest strength, and why should we accept you, and the other one was, why do you want to come to this school, and I thought I would add to that discussion more questions, how to answer more questions, different questions, and so I put it out there on the Facebook group on our Hangout, which if you're not part of, you should go join medicalschoolhq.net slash group or just search for pre-med hangout in our, on Facebook and then click join and then wait until we accept you into the group. So I put it out there to say, hey, what kind of questions do you think we should cover next? And so I got a list of five questions and I picked five kind of tricky questions, five, not necessarily tricky, but five questions that students struggle with when I'm doing mock interviews with them. And you may hear these questions, you're like, well, why do they struggle with them? And you may hear these questions go, oh yeah, I can understand why they struggled. And so just remember, everybody struggles with their own situations, their own questions. They have their own insecurities and whatever else to bring out into the interview, into the answers that they are giving. 
And so that's the fun thing about interviews is you think, well, every student's going to answer this the same way. And I can tell you, having interviewed hundreds of students, if not thousand at this point, that students don't answer questions the same way. And and I try to explain this by by just being yourself. And every student is bringing their own experiences to the table. And so when they're answering the question, they're answering it based on their own life experiences. And so let's go ahead and dive in here to the five interview questions that students struggle with the most. And the first one here is one that's specific to osteopathic schools, but why DO? Why do you want to be an osteopathic physician? Now, a lot of students, where they go wrong with this question is they just spit out the marketing that osteopathic schools put out. Oh, I believe in the holistic philosophy. Oh, I want to treat the patient holistically. Oh, having OMT is an extra tool in the tool belt. Right, and those are that's marketing speak from osteopathic schools. And if you've listened to this show for a while, or if you're new to this, uh, my take on that is it's marketing. That's all it is. Good physicians treat patients holistically. It's not owned by the osteopathic world. And I had a discussion with the, he's probably the president at this point of the American Osteopathic Association. And we got into this discussion. I challenged him on this. I said, look, like you don't own holistic treatment of patients. And he agreed. And what he was able to talk about was how with the DO education, the DO curriculum, they focus on it more than an allopathic school. And so you kind of get into the world a little bit earlier. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll give that to you. So where students go wrong with why DO is that they, they focus too much on those buzzwords, holistic treatment, OMT, right? What does, this is how I, I tell students how to answer this. What does holistic care mean to you? What does that word mean? Don't use the word holistic. Use the the definition that you've come up with. What does that look like to you? Break it down into those parts. And then the best you can, try to highlight parts of your experience, parts of your life that show the interviewer why that's important. Instead of just spitting out, oh, I like the holistic treatment. Oh, I want to have an extra tool in my tool belt. Right? Every student who doesn't prepare and doesn't have experience chatting with DO, being around DOs, watching OMT, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or doing any, any sort of reflection on why DO, and the truth is probably, oh, I apply DO because it's more medical schools and I want to be in New York. I want to be in California and there's more opportunities if I apply to DO. Right, that's that's probably the tr- more of the truth behind it a lot, right? And and I am okay with that, and I understand that. But you have to look at it from their perspective, the admissions committee perspective. That yes, you're applying to DO schools probably just because you want to be a doctor at the end of the day, and they're just an extra school to apply to. But they want to also make sure that you have a little bit of understanding of the DO worlds, that you have uh, some respect for the DO world. And so they want to make sure that you can talk about it for a minute. And so why DO? So break down what holistic means. 
don't just use the buzzwords. Right? A lot of students will talk about, well, treating the whole patient with a mind, body, spirit kind of thing, environmental, uh, spiritual, physical, whatever, right? Break it down. What does that mean? And then what experiences from your life highlight the fact that, oh, you are a spiritual person and you understand how important that is to a person's health, right? Tie it together with your life. Don't use the buzzwords. Break it down. What did those words mean to you? That's how to answer the why DO question. The next question I want to talk about that students struggle with, the opposite of a question we asked in there, we talked about in the last episode that we did about, about questions, interview questions, where I talked about what's your greatest strength. The opposite one, what's your biggest weakness? Now you may so you may say, well, that's really not that hard of a question. Or you may go, well, I don't like talking about myself. Or some of you may go, well, I don't want to tell them what my weaknesses are. That's that's not good. I don't want to do that. I don't want to show them flaws in who I am. Guess what? We all have flaws. We all have weaknesses. A bigger weakness, a bigger flaw, is not owning up to your weaknesses. If you can't own up to your struggles, if you can't own up to where you have a weakness, that's an issue. Because when it comes time to being a physician, being able to own up to your weaknesses is super important to your patient's care. Knowing your limitations as a physician is very, very important. And that comes with understanding that you aren't perfect. And so when they ask, what is your biggest weakness? Don't think that, oh, they want to hear really what is something that I've turned into a strength. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear what your weakness is, what you think your weakness is. And if you need help with this, something I talk about in the book is go ask your friends, go ask your family members, shoot them an email to say, hey, guys. I'm preparing for my medical school interviews, and one of the questions that I'm struggling with is answering what my weakness is, or what my biggest weakness is, or what are my three biggest weaknesses, and let them know, don't worry guys, I'm, I'm not going to hold it against you, I need to know these things. And so you, you get that feedback, and you go, okay, I can see where they're saying, what they're saying, why they're saying it. And you talk about it in the interview to say, well, my biggest weakness is time management. My biggest weakness is not being able to say no to friends and family, putting myself second, putting everybody else first. My biggest weakness is whatever. Don't spin it into a strength. Do not spin it into a strength. This is your weakness. You need to talk about what you're doing to fix your weakness. Right? The interviewer doesn't want to hear, well, my biggest struggle is, is time management. And then crickets. You need to talk about, well, my biggest struggle is time management. And here's a story that I can tell you about how my poor time management has gotten me in trouble in the past. Maybe I wasn't prepared for a test. Maybe I missed a deadline for something at work. Maybe whatever. 
showed up late to a wedding, whatever it is. But here's what I'm doing to work on it. I have my Apple Watch with five alarms on it, my my iPhone with 10 alarms on it. I have uh, my mom calling me three times a day, making sure I'm, I'm doing things, right? What are you doing to work on it? Do not turn your weakness question into a strength. That's not what they want to hear. They want to hear that you understand that you are not perfect. That's okay. You are not going to get rejected because you talked about having poor time management skills. Now, if you come and you say, well, my biggest weakness is I have a Coke habit, right? Not Coca-Cola, but cocaine, I have I have a coke habit and uh, I I haven't I haven't been able to kick it yet right maybe that will raise some red flags and you you'll have an issue getting an acceptance but as long as you're open about your struggles that's okay now there are a couple things that I would probably stay away from one that I can think of off the top of my head as as I'm recording this is communication right being a physician is all about communicating and. I've had students tell me, doing a mock interview with them, yeah, my, my biggest weakness is my communication skills. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like you're telling me that you want to be a doctor, which includes communicating with patients and their families, and now you're telling me that your biggest struggle is communicating? Like that's going to be a problem. So I wouldn't try to... to uh, talk about something that could be a red flag. Now, it's hard because I don't want you, uh, where most students, uh, I'll talk to them about their answer during a mock interview or at at the end of a mock interview when I get feedback, and they go, well, what is a good answer? They'll ask me, what is a good answer? I'm like, I don't know. What is your weakness? The best answer is always, what is your truth? What is your truth? And that's why I recommend asking Parents, asking friends, asking family members, whoever. Hey guys, what is my weakness? What are my biggest weaknesses? What is your truth? Don't look for what is a good answer. What is your truth? All right, healthcare questions. Now I did an interview today as I'm recording this and I asked a student, what are your, what are your thoughts on the Affordable Care Act? And right off the bat, he said, well, I, I don't really... To be honest, I, I, I don't know as much as I should. You never, ever want to go into an interview unprepared that much that your first response to a question is, well, I don't really know as much as I should. If you are admitting to the fact that you should know more, but you don't, that tells me that there's something wrong with your planning, your initiative, your motivation to do well in this interview. The fact that you know you should know more about this topic, specifically healthcare in this country, but you don't know more about it, tells me there's something something going on there, and, and I'm probably going to pass on you for an acceptance. So you have to understand our healthcare system here in the U.S., as screwy as it is. For our friends up north in Canada, your healthcare system you're going to have to understand pros and cons and negatives and whatever. And I don't know what kind of discussions they're having. They're like, hey, guys, right? we have this wonderful um, uh, universal health care. 
Should we adopt some uh, some features of the the American healthcare system? Right? The, the the opposite discussion of what we're having here. Be like, hey guys, we have a really screwed up healthcare system here in the U.S. Should we adopt uh, some some aspects of the Canadian healthcare system? Uh, I think I think the discussion is happening more south of the border rather than north of the border. But you have to understand the Affordable Care Act. Now, obviously, the current administration as I'm recording this, has tried to dismantle it. It hasn't passed. They tried to push their own, uh, the American Healthcare Act, and that didn't pass. And and so they're, they're slowly dismantling or whatever. So whenever you're listening to this, the Affordable Care Act may not even be a thing anymore. It doesn't matter. You have to know what's going on in our healthcare so that you can talk about it during an interview. Understand what single payer system is. Right, a lot of students I'll ask, do, do you think we should have a single payer system? And they look with me with a blank stare. I'm like, universal healthcare? They're like, oh yeah, I know that word. Right? Same word, universal healthcare, single payer system. Understand what that is, what that looks like, what countries have it. Well, most of them do. Um, what's the difference between the single payer system in the UK versus the single payer system in Canada? But if you're listening to this right now, I want you to go on to, to Facebook into our pre-med hangout and answer that question. Start a, start a thread if it's not already there. What is the difference between the UK system and the Canadian system? They're different. They're very different, but similar. So understand those differences. What are our struggles here in the U.S.? What are your thoughts on the Affordable Care Act? What are some pros? What are some cons? Anytime you're given a thoughts on blank type question, what are your thoughts on? And we'll have another one in a minute. What are the pros? What are the cons? What's your side? Are you? Do you like the Affordable Care Act? Do you not like it? Talk about some some pros, some very specific things. The interviewer that I, I had today, I'm like, well, what are some pros of the Affordable Care Act? Even though he said he didn't know enough, he goes, well, it made healthcare affordable for more people. I'm like, well, yeah, it's it's in the name, Affordable Care Act, affordable, yeah, so good. What are some specifics? Right, it it got rid of pre-existing conditions, so people who had some sort of diagnosis could get healthcare again. It's great. It got rid of, uh, or it uh, extended care for kids up until 26. Awesome. It made, I think, a list of 10 preventive care uh, treatments and, and, and other visits free. Mandatory coverage. Imagine that. The health insurance companies had to say, these things are covered for free. Not for free, you're paying for it with your insurance, but they actually had to pay out and couldn't decline basic things. What are some good things? What are some bad things? Talk about them. Understand them. So where should you go for information? That's the next question that comes up. Well, the healthcare handbook is available. I'll have a link to that on my website for this post, right? This this episode, medicalschoolhq.net slash three zero nine, uh, or you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash healthcare handbook, and I will, uh, I'll redirect you to the, the Amazon page for that. So that's medicalschoolhq.net slash healthcare handbook. So I would read that, 
It's got some great information in there. I would listen to a podcast known as Congressional Dish done by my friend Jen Briney. She, a while ago, I think it was episode 94, did an episode all about the Affordable Care Act. And in her podcast, she reads the bills. And so she read the all 2,000 pages, I think, of the Affordable Care Act, front, front to back. And she then did a podcast episode on it. And she tries to be as 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 fact-based as possible without putting in too much of her own opinion, etc. So she talks about the Affordable Care Act. She's had other follow-up episodes about the American Health Care Act, the, the ones that the current administration, 2016-2017, uh, tried to push through. Go get more information on these topics. It's very, very important. All right, next up. What diversity can you bring to the class? This is a hard one, especially if you look at your skin color and you're white, like I am, a white male, even worse. All right, what diversity are you bringing to the class? And so I think a lot of students think this is an unfair question because, well, I'm white, so of course I'm not bringing any diversity to the class. And and it's not fair if you're African-American or Hispanic or whatever, it's it's easy. You're like, well, I'm I'm African American. That's the diversity I bring. But it's not that it's not that simple. And it's not really the question that they're asking. If that was the only thing they cared about, they wouldn't have to ask it. They could just look at you. And so the way that I like to answer this question, what diversity do you bring to the class? Is the same way that I like to answer, why should we accept you? Don't focus on yourself. Focus on your classmates. Focus on your future colleagues at that medical school. What experiences, what skills, what traits do you have that will add to the educational environment of your peers? That is diversity, not just skin color, race, ethnicity, etc. A lot of students like to talk about, oh, well, I was a philosophy major in college, and so I have learned to think differently. No, don't talk about that. They want to know real-world experiences, real-world skills, traits, etc., that you've gained, not just, I took philosophy courses. Well, I was a psychology major, and so I think differently, and I'm going to be a valuable asset. It doesn't work because there are 60,000 students applying to medical school. Guess what? There's probably several thousand students who are also philosophy majors, who are also psychology majors, who are also whatever major you're throwing out there to show the diversity that you have. Doesn't fly. What experiences do you have? Let me give you a good example. I was interviewing a student who was a former college athlete, played football was voted team captain at some point in his journey. And so what diversity do you bring to the class? Again, uh, why should we accept you? Both of those types of questions flipped into what are you going to add to the class? He was able to say, well, from my time as a football player and having been voted team captain, Spending that time in a leadership position has allowed me to X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And I, I really hope to be uh, an integral part of our class and, and potentially be uh, a leader in the class. 
an experience that he had, a skill that he's developed, leadership, and what he wants to do with the class. So think about the experiences that you've had. Think about the skills, the traits that you have. How can you add to the class? That is diversity that you can bring. All right, last but not least, my favorite question that gets students squirming. It's a simple question, but a lot of people are so uncomfortable with the topic that that they get nervous. And they're like, oh, I didn't prepare for that. I'm like, why did you not prepare for one of the most common questions in an interview, especially for a moral and ethical standpoint? Tell me your thoughts on abortion. Right, and I mentioned earlier, when you, whenever you have a question about what are your thoughts on blank, then there should be a pretty standard framework around the question, right? Uh, I like to, right off the bat, what is your thought? What is your stance? I am pro-life. I am pro-choice. And then tell me why. What is your thought process behind that? Give me some thoughts on if you're pro-choice, give me some some of your thoughts, the thought process behind why there are pro-life people out there. If you're pro-life, give me some thoughts on why there are pro-choice people out there. Having that understanding of the other side is called empathy. Having empathy is important to be a physician. And so showing that you can understand, be like, yes, I'm pro-life. I was raised in a Catholic household, and we believe that um, it, all lives matter, and, and life begins at conception, and so we believe that uh, abortion is killing a life and whatever, right? It, but then you say, and I can understand that there are situations where the mother's health is in jeopardy, a woman was sexually assaulted and is now pregnant, a woman, whatever, or, or um, even reasons that you may not agree with, right? Of, well, the woman uh, can't, uh, isn't in a financial spot right now to have a kid. Maybe the, the woman is, is 16, is a kid herself. Talking about those situations, having that understanding of why people are out there having abortions, even if you don't agree with it, shows that you have empathy and you can understand the other side. Talk about the other side. Talk about the thought process behind why you believe what you believe. You cannot, one of the biggest mistakes that students make with this question and other moral ethical questions is that they play the middle road. Worried about what the interviewer will think. Worried about, well, if I say I'm pro-life, but they're pro-choice, I don't want to be dinged. If they say, if I say I'm pro-choice and they're pro-life, I don't want to be dinged. You are dinged more for not taking a stance than if you are for choosing a different side than the interviewer. The interviewer's job is not to judge you based on your answer if it differs from them with one exception, or maybe several exceptions, their job is to understand your thought process behind your answers to determine if they are sound, if your thought processes are sound. Now, where you can go wrong with this 
is if you say, well, I'm, I'm pro-life and I think everyone who has an abortion should also be killed themselves, right? That's super extreme, no empathy for the other side. That's somewhere where you can't go when you're talking about these sorts of moral and ethical debates. So very important. Kind of just, just to add on to this right now, uh, as we're recording this, it's the end of October 2018. We just had Judge Kavanaugh confirmed for the next Supreme Court justice. And there's a lot of talk about uh, the ability now to overturn Roe v. Wade. You need to know what Roe v. Wade is. I asked a student this recently, and he looked at me with a blank stare. I'm like, uh, the, <laughs> the, the big court case that, that allowed abortion in this country? Right? You have to understand these things. You have to understand what's going on in the world, in the news. Because tell me your thoughts on abortion could now come across as, well, with, with the recent um, uh, nomination of, of Judge Kavanaugh uh, being confirmed, right? The, the recent confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Roe v. Wade? Should it be overturned? Right, and so it's kind of the same question framed in a different way. But if you're too focused on MCAT med school applications, pre med stuff, and you don't realize what's going on in the world, it's going to be hard to answer. So just kind of a, an extra little bonus tip in there to to really be aware of what's going on in the news. Because the questions that may come out, like standard question, tell me about your thoughts on abortion, can be completely flipped and twisted based on what's going on in the news. So you need to be prepared for that stuff. All right, one quick note before we wrap up here. The MCAT Cars podcast is live in Spotify. It's not anywhere else yet. Uh, Apple Podcasts is taking... Uh, a while to approve new shows. It used to be done in a day or two. It's been taking a week or two now recently. So stay tuned for the MCAT Cars podcast that I've been doing with Jack Weston. I'm super excited with that podcast and for that podcast for you to help you maximize your MCAT score. It's not just, right? The name is the MCAT Cars podcast, but how we are breaking down passages and sentences, etc., are going to help you with every section of the MCAT. So go check that out at mcatcarspodcast.com. And uh, if you are interested in looking at Jack Weston's uh, stuff, you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash Jack Weston. He's got a free daily cars question based on a passage and he's got a CARS course as well. Again, that's medicalschoolhq.net slash Jack Weston. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years.